impact and fix spec, this is Founders Anonymous, the podcast that helps you move your business up a gear. I'm your host, David Trott. And I'm Chris Lees. So another episode of Founders Anonymous. I'm super excited, particularly for this episode, because we're joined by somebody else, which means that it's no longer David and my in-jokes. So we're uh, super pleased to be joined by Rob Crabtree uh, of Minnow Agency. Uh, it's a real shame that this is audio only because nobody can see what Rob is currently wearing. He looks like he's just <laughs> stepped off like this North Sea fishing trawler or something like that. It's absolutely awesome. Uh, but we are very pleased to, <laughs> to have him on this podcast. Um, Rob, why don't you uh, tell people a little bit about what Minnow Agency do to get us kicked off? Yeah, thank you. Well, firstly, thank you for having me on. I'm sorry that I'm dressed as a fisherman and not in the customary <laughs> flowery shirt or uniform, but there we go. Yeah, so Minnow is a, you know, the, the traditional small agency. And what we try and do is focus more on on web and on producing websites that are, you know, not templated, the server-specific purpose that can support small businesses. They have to they have to do something. And we've been working with yeah, small to medium-sized businesses for a few years now. Anything from startups to three to four-year year old businesses, developing sites, supporting with marketing, but with this kind of singular goal that they have to help drive leads or they have to, you know, serve a function. So not just not just having a website for the sake of having a website. Yeah, I think you know everyone knows that there's someone around the corner who will build them a website, and so. It's such a crowded marketplace. To, to set yourself apart, you really have to steer away from from the templates. If a brand wants a standout website, they need something that looks completely different. And from a brand point of view, it needs to say that is their brand and they stand for this. And the person on the other end is going, oh yeah, those colors and those fonts and, and what it's saying, that all wraps around you know what you're telling me. It all makes sense. Okay. And so I have to give a disclaimer here or disclosure that actually Rob is helping us fix spec in, in doing all of our branding and has done a very good job as well. The way that you have been doing it for us is really interesting, right? Because it's all about what is it that you want to convey in terms of your business. Kind of describe for people exactly sort of the process that you go through as you take on a new customer. How, how does that work? Yeah. So putting branding aside and kind of focusing on, on web, you know, I have conversations with people you know, all the time about, oh, I need a new website. Okay, great. You know, what's it need to do? And they kind of go, well, we need an about page and we need some services pages and we need, you know, we need case studies and there should probably be a contact us page. And I go, okay, what what does your business do? What do people come to you to do? And so quite quickly, you get to a point where you're asking them, what job do people need to do on the website? Is it sign up? Is it is it register? Is it buy now? Is it, you know, find a job or find an architect? And quite quickly, people go, okay, well, we just want people to get in touch. But the process really needs to be, you know, user, user lands on site, know nothing about you, and they are there bloody-mindedly looking for something or looking to solve a problem. Okay, well, right. you know, I don't care about your team's page at this point. I don't care that you do all this stuff. Yeah. So why am I going to go there to then find out that I need to pick up the phone? Just put the phone number in the top right corner and, you know, be done with it. Mm. And so in the kind of early planning stages of a new website for, you know, for small businesses, it's likely you're going to have a singular job to be done. And, you know, yeah. the example is, you know, find an architect. It's one of the, the sites that we've done. 
And it's a kind of weird one. You go, well, we're architects. I don't need to find an architect. But the job that the user's doing, they are looking for an architect. So make it right. really clear to them that they're now going to find an architect to solve their problem. Yeah. But the problem with websites only gets harder the bigger the site. And the more complex problems or the more functions, the more jobs to be done there are. There might be three or four jobs to be done. And so actually, yeah. the user doesn't care about all this other stuff. Only the things that directly serve the user's needs, what they need to do. And so that's a kind of approach that I've been trying to take for the last few years so that you don't just produce sites for the sake of it and shove the same navigation items at the top and hope that people find what they're looking for. Yeah, the same old stuff. So I'd imagine that the vast majority of small businesses, they would fall into that category I'd like to call pain in the ass, which is they, they have no idea how they want to articulate their business. They have no idea you know, what job functions actually need to be done. So how do you get over that, right? Well, the first thing I say is just ignore their brief. Okay, awesome. <laughs> because at this point, nine out of 10 times, it'll be exactly the same thing. So you skim through okay. it and you get the gist of you know what they're saying. But yeah. you ignore it. And then you go, okay, this is a software business. Let's go look at some software, other software businesses. Let's see what they're doing. And you go through this kind of automatic research process where by the time you get to a hitting reply to a brief, you kind of already know what you think this site, the structure should be. And clients obviously know their business better than anybody. But when you're that close to stuff, you just ignore what's straight in front of you. And, you, you, and yeah. if you just take a step back and just look at it at a, at a much higher level, then it's actually fairly simple. Yeah. So last week in, in episode three, David unleashed on the world his three laws for content marketing. Was that it? Yeah. I don't yeah? think we ever actually named them, but yeah. Uh, but three laws. And, and that's essentially following through the, the hype cycle, if you like. And actually, that's what I'm thinking about when you're, you're speaking there, Rob, is, you know, people just go for websites and try to copy websites that they already understand and what you're trying to do is you're trying to tease out the bits that they actually should be focusing on, right? Yeah. I, I think in this game, to create something that is different, you really got to ignore what people are saying. You know, I've been working on a website recently and the structure is completely unique. The, the, the mm. navigation is completely unique. You can look at any competitor website, it's entirely different. And it's not to say that one's right and one's wrong, but if you, you've just got to sit there as a user and think of it in that way and mm. not just throw the marketing textbook at it and hope that it's going to mm. stick. Interesting. And what, what about things like blogs? You know, everybody says, oh, you've got to have a blog. You've got to create content. You've got to put it on your website. Is there any point in that? Yeah, the, I mean, the reality is that content, content is king. You know, content is Google's breakfast. You have to feed it. Otherwise it can't find you and it won't serve you that's the reality mm. of it all you know it's really hard businesses of all sizes struggle with producing content and, and you know seo is only one element of it you, you at the end of the day you've got to serve your user but if you go through a five-month project to build a website and then at the end of it you're like well that's it that's all the pages i'm gonna, ever going to need Google's found them. It's going to rank like that forevermore. I mean, that's, ne that's never going to happen. You have to keep building. And that's not just with blogs. I mean, you've, once you press live on a website, you start again. You have to keep working on content. And 
you know, a blog is the default place to go. It, it's not an easy way to appease Google because you have to have a strategy behind it and you have to keep plugging at it and you have to keep putting content out. You also have to know how to write for Google and lots of people don't. And you can write a really mm. great piece of content that reads really nicely. If you haven't done your research and you don't know what the keywords are and you haven't been on Google Trends ever, then it may never appear. And I guess yeah. there's a sweet spot, isn't there? So if you imagine like a Venn diagram and one of the segments is content that works for SEO and the other segment is content that that serves my customer or serves my business's needs, you're aiming for the, the intersection, aren't you? The, the stuff that does both. That, you know, the, the goal is to write a piece of content that is good for your website, good for Google, but also going back to what you said at the beginning, Rob, helps you, your audience solve something, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, you know, that third one is a really hard one. Knowing what that is, is really hard. You can hit the middle of that Venn diagram every time through strategy, but, you know, at the end of the day, you don't know whether that's going to hit your target market. <laughs> It's all about being prolific, right? Prolific beats perfect in a lot of ways. You just need to keep putting out content that is directionally correct, right? And eventually you're going to have a hit. So how, like how, does, how do people get feedback, either positive or negative, that they are hitting the right spot? I think the problem with content, it comes down to having the right data and having the right data requires a critical mass. So I think what, you know, what, one issue is you've just got to get it out to enough people. And there's various levers that you can pull. The, you know, the other one, the other side is you've got 20 or 30 people looking at your video. You know, it takes one person to think that you're solving their problem to become a customer. And so, yes, it's really frustrating sometimes. And, you know, you want hits and you want likes and you want shares. And But at the end of the day, you want leads. And so yep. what is it, you know, how many leads do you need? And you kind of work backwards from there. Where do you think this idea comes from that that there's all these things that we feel we need to have a website with an about me page and being on all social media platforms? Where do you think that comes from? I mean, it comes from people like us, you know, marketing specialists who you might be at a party with or you might be at the pub with or you might know and they go, oh, you know, they happen to specialize in this area. So they'll tell you, oh, you've got to do that. And then you meet someone else and they specialize in a different area. Oh, you've, you know, you've got to do that. And if, you know, for the, for most people don't know how to create a website and they don't know how to run social channels and don't know how to write a blog, but quite quickly they start doing that. And I, as soon as you're grabbing the headlights, you've got to do all these things. You lose focus on the user and jobs to be done and leads and, you know, the hitting that sweet spot between seo and and user-friendly content you're just trying to do everything for the sake of it and and it does feel as if you just you're just under pressure to produce you know x thousand words per per week or whatever and you almost the quality takes a hit because you don't really care it's just the the pressure that says i've got to be posting on instagram i've got to be posting on twitter i've got to be doing this that and the other you're hitting the wrong metrics it's not a quality metric then it's about uh, you know a, a metric of number of videos number of words number of followers but but it's always this natural reaction though you, you ask anybody how to improve your business if you ask a salesperson how to improve your business they'll say oh you've got to hire more salespeople or if you ask a developer how to improve your business, they'll say, oh, you've got to build this bit of kit. Or if you ask a marketeer how to improve your business, it'll be, oh, you should do some more marketing, right? It, like we all have this inbuilt tendency of saying, buy my stuff and your business will improve as a result. So it's not surprising to me to hear you say, 
actually it's kind of marketing professionals who have come up with the idea of you've got to be producing content. I think they're the people that have all they're focused on is getting people to the website and mm. getting them to fill in a form. And they forget the fact that once the form's gone somewhere, someone's going to pick it up. And, you know, if you've got a salesperson or a team, that's great. Lots of people don't. And so success from a marketing point of view is, oh, I've got a lead. Brilliant. Here you go. Here are the details. And you, you, you know, talk to them and try and turn it into a sale. And that's the hard bit. Once you've got those leads, the, the, the founder or the, the, the small business, they might not know how to turn that into a sale. And lots of us aren't natural salespeople. And so I think that as marketers, we do forget the fact that success for the business isn't a lead. Until it's a customer, it's worthless. Right. One of the things we've been talking about a lot, Rob, is is the more end-to-end -end customer journey. So how do they first experience your brand? How do they become aware of you? And then how do you put them into a funnel? But before you start to sell to them or convert them into a sale, you're increasingly giving them more and more valuable items along the way. Yeah, I think that's the dream of all businesses is to have a, a really nice, smooth sales pipeline. I, I think that going back to startups and one-man bands or small businesses, that's sometimes quite hard to see. And for them, the attention span of the end user is going to be really short. They've sent a form submission in. They're expecting something back really quickly. And so if you're a service business in particular and you don't have, you don't have a, a journey to take people on, but you're too busy just getting stuff done to pick up the phone to nurture these leads then you know that's very hard i think for founders so one of the things that it sounds like we're talking about here is how to zoom out and have that overall view of not just your business but the customers and their journey and all the time that we spend listening to people who are specialists in a certain area leads us down a path of dealing with just that one small fragment of the business potentially at the expense of everything else so you could get bogged down listening to an SEO specialist who tells you that you need a specific sort of written content with this many keywords per thousand words and this, you know, use these for alt tags and all that sort of stuff. And what you end up producing is a piece of very sort of technically competent SEO content that doesn't serve the rest of the business. You know, it gets people to click on the website because it gets you ranking through Google, but it's not moving them on to the next step because from a customer perspective, it's a shit piece of content. How do you think as business owners, regardless of the size of the business, how do you think you begin to step back from all of that and look at it as a whole rather than the the individual specific functions of marketing within that business? It's a very good question. I, I, you know, the challenge with being a founder is you're so close to everything. You, you, can't, you can't see the full picture until someone takes your hand and takes you up to the top of the hill and goes, there you go, this is what we're looking at. And so the only, the businesses that I've worked with who've had success in that area have had outside help. This is like a, a business coach or, you know, a friend who knows what they're talking about and won't just push social media on them. And as soon as you do that, you see all these other areas and you see the pipeline and you see, you know, the, the focus point, which isn't, I've got to put out five social media posts a week. That's not the focus. Mm. So yeah, I, I genuinely think that if you are struggling as a founder, don't just go and find a Instagram coach, find someone that you trust and just chat to them about your business bro broadly and what you want to achieve, which nine times out of 10 is I want more leads. I want more sales. 
Right, but it's also, you need the ability to process those things, you know, so if you have no time to pick up the phone to nurture the leads, that's also kind of a wasted effort, right? If you've got too many leads coming through the door, that's a really nice problem to have, as we all know. And that's the point where, you know, it's good to get salespeople involved or use platform automation to to do stuff and you you know you build out that if you don't want to get salespeople you build out your sales journey and you you, you take them on a longer journey to buy yourself some time but i think you know at that first stage use marketing tactfully and forget about all the rest of it so one of the one of the things that was going through my head as david was speaking which i think is he had a really insightful point as per usual for david which is it feels like we are all struggling for these silver bullets we all kind of look for experts to help us overcome some perceived deficiency and actually we shouldn't really be doing that what we should be doing is focused on the outcomes so you should really know how many customers you can meaningfully deal with at this moment in time and work backwards from that and say, okay, based on that number of customers, I need this many leads coming in. What do I need to generate these leads, right? So it should be outcome-based planning as opposed to silver bullet. I need to post a million things on Instagram just to get people you know, following me. And then I'm not gonna know how to deal with those leads on the, on the inbound time, right? So outcomes, not silver bullets. Feels, feels to me what we're kind of saying here. So. I think promoting your business is, you know, every, everyone needs to do that. Everyone wants to grow their business, but you have to grow it at the right time. And so if the desired outcome is X number of leads per month, because you can only service that number of leads per month, that's how much you need to promote it. And mm-hmm. Minnow is a an agency, yes, but it's primarily me. And I only have a certain number of hours per week. And I only want to work on certain projects, which is, a, you know, it's a nice position to be in. So I'm not chasing leads for the sake of leads because I know that A, I can't service them and B, I don't, it may not be the work that I want to do. And lots of founders and small business, they're all different. People, some people will want to build a, you know, conglomerate and some people will want to build um, a small team and some people will be happy just as, as a founder. And so, yeah, promotion and growth is, I guess, is a personal thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. Rob, how can people find out more about you? So to find out more about Minnow, go to minnow.agency. There you will find an About Us page, a Services page, and a Contact Us page to contradict everything I've said over the last 45 (laughs) minutes. (laughs) And we're spelling Minnow without the W, is that right? Minnow is M-I-N-N-O. Yeah, cool. Can I ask a different question then? So on minnow.agency, is there a merchandise page where you are modeling the the sailing outfit that you're wearing right now. <laughs> That's a very good idea. There was a time where I did have Minnow branded clothing and I thought that I was going to be the next dropship, you know, millionaire because people were going to want to buy sweatshirts and t-shirts with my logo on. Suffice to say that didn't take off. Mm. Mm. <laughs> right. You, you have the full complement of social media channels, of course, as we've just discussed how important that is. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to leave with this caveat, which is, you know, everyone says practice what you preach, but most of us don't. And uh, yeah, that just comes back to the fact that founders are short of time, to be honest. Can I can I talk about a, a bit of a gripe that I have, which is 
all, all of these social media influencers all talk about content and actually the content marketers as well. Um, you need content, you need regular content, high quality content, blasting it out all the time. That's how you get followers. And yet I keep seeing all of these people on social media who never appear to post anything, frankly, and have a gazillion followers. How does that work? Are they just gaming the system? Like, like what, do, what do people do? I've come across people with Instagram with, you know, uh, thousands and thousands of followers and not a single post. How do they do that? Like Twitter people with millions of followers and they don't really post anything. Hmm. LinkedIn people who I, I consider to be as influential as I am perhaps in, in our peer group. And they might have 10 times the number of LinkedIn connections that I have. And they don't post anything on LinkedIn posts. So how do you explain those anomalies, I guess, in particularly follower numbers? I think, you know, LinkedIn's an easy one to answer. You don't have to put out content to make connections there. You can you could spend an hour a day every day building connections. You don't yeah, you don't need content on LinkedIn to get connections. I think with Instagram, you certainly used to be able to game Instagram quite well, either through paid uh, followers or um, just through using hashtags that are popular, but possibly not relevant. And then they get picked up by accounts that automatically like you. And so if you really want 10,000 followers on Instagram, put out five posts a day with the 30 most popular hashtags and you'll just watch your, your followers climb. You won't get the people you want, but you'll play the numbers game. Mm, interesting. Okay. Mm. What, what if I announce on a podcast such as this that everybody should immediately log on to Instagram and follow chris.lees.fixspec? Would that help? Well, I, yeah, I mean, you're going to see an immediate bump in followers there, Chris, obviously. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, so every time that there's like a life cycle with social media platforms, um, when they first start out, it tends to be a lot easier to grow audiences because the platforms want you to do that. It needs mm -hmm. people connecting on, on the platforms for the platform itself to survive. Then you reach the, the peak, and at that point, the platforms realize we need to start choking this because otherwise our business model doesn't work. We can't sell ad space if everybody sees everything else and everyone's connected with everything else. So they start choking the amount of reach you get. So it becomes exponentially harder to grow your audience the longer a platform's been in place. So mm. if I joined Twitter back in, when did it launch? 2006, 2007? Can't remember. If I joined it then, I could grow uh, a sizable audience fairly quickly. Um, mm. fast forward 13 years, I'm probably bored of Twitter and I might have an, you know, an account sitting there with a million followers that I never use. So that's one mm. explanation. I think Rob's identified like there are other ways to sort of game the system. When platforms release new features, that life cycle happens again, but in miniature. So Instagram releases Reels. So if you are an early adopter of one of their new features, like Instagram Reels, then you can grow a following there fairly quickly. So that that's another thing. And there are just the most god-awful bellends out there that try and find ways <laughs> for you to game the system like the most common on Instagram and Twitter over the past sort of three years or so and it's thankfully dying off now because these people are just honestly the worst of humanity um, pushing things like aggressive follow and unfollow tactics mm -hmm. so you will spend your, or you used to be able to automate you can't so much now but you'll spend an hour a day following 
uh, you know a thousand accounts on instagram just to see who follows you back and then getting rid of everyone who doesn't and you just rinse and repeat that over and over and over again and you grow you know all you're doing is going for account growth there's no quality in it it's just horseshit but you're growing your account and then you know there's there's the sort of classic ways that we all aim for it which is getting a good piece of content that goes viral and people want to connect with you because you're a good account and you make them laugh or you add something to their lives and they want you to be a part of their life that's what we should all be aiming for rather than just gaming the system like these awful bellends do right and, and in terms of the content so there's uh, the account i love to to talk about you've you've found you turned me on to them david which is uh, aldringham dry cleaners who are absolutely <laughs> fantastic and deserve every single one of their followers they really do just because they're funny they're engaging you know it's, it's kind of it's light-hearted and it's brilliant um so actually should we all just be going for funny memes oh god no absolutely not funny is good if you can make it work for your brand and your audience right but funny in and of itself is a terrible idea firstly mm. because Everyone's idea of what is funny is different. I, I wake up often in a cold sweat, realizing that there are people out there that watch Mrs. Brown's Boys because it genuinely makes them laugh. <laughs> don't, I, I don't understand that. I can't understand these. How that's funny in the slightest. We've walked past them in the street, Rob. Right, and we—you don't know who they are, but they're out there, and there's fucking loads of them. Right, <laughs> the last thing I want to do for my business—I don't want to attract those people to my business. God, this is awful. I'm going to lose clients okay. now. They're going to come out. The <laughs> you know, that's—I shouldn't be chasing that. It goes back to everything we've been saying this episode. If you can be funny, if you can make the people that you want to reach laugh, then that is brilliant. That's a good mm. thing. I was going to say the problem with social media is that it is a these days, it's a vanity project. Putting LinkedIn aside, if I want to build my following on Instagram, my only option is to post stuff that I've done pretty much or statements about marketing or observations and hope people that will like them. I probably wouldn't go down the, the funny meme thing. I don't think it fits with my brand. And mm. so as a brand account, I'm going to leave it there. I'll post every now and again. If you are selling yourself, that is a different matter. And building right. that out as a personal brand, everything you're putting out is you as a person, not necessarily like what you ate for breakfast, but you know the lifestyle that you've got, the values that you stand for. And as a founder, you're, it's likely that the values are similar. And so I, I think lots of people think too hard about what you put out on Instagram. It's almost think less, put out more. Don't overanalyze. Make sure it's on brand sits with your vision so it sits with your values and is technically correct in terms of the way you're using the platform but apart from that just don't worry too much mm. as a follower of your personal instagram uh rob i i'd say that there are an awful lot of pictures of your breakfast that's, that's the feedback <laughs> i'd give you <laughs> but i think that breakfast is a very important part of the day and so as for me that's that's one of my values my daily values. I, I don't disagree, Rob, but en enough with the Rice Krispies, all right? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Cool. Rob, thank you for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. I hope you'll come back soon. It depends when the uh, when the catch comes in, you know, because he'll be out at sea yeah. for many, many, many months. Many weeks, now. yeah. 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 <laughs> Can we can we actually put a photo of Rob's outfit on the on the podcast episode description? Because I, I think people need to see it. Yep. 
<laughs> Great stuff. Cool. Well, look, if if anyone listening has got any questions for Rob, um, specifically uh, if you've got any questions about how to dress like a sailor, and he does look absolutely <laughs> magnificent, I'm gutted you can't see it. Um, get in touch. Podcast at impactbiz.co.uk. Uh, Impact B-I-Z. Yeah. And let us know your thoughts. Thanks very much. Cool. Awesome. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Founders Anonymous is an Impact and Fixpec production. Mm-hmm.